So um, good morning, welcome to Connect Church. If you are, uh, if this is your first Sunday here this morning, welcome. I hope you've enjoyed your morning so far. My name's Dave and I'm the lead pastor here at Connect, so uh, glad you guys are here. Now some of you were watching that video there thinking, what is that? Like, where is Tom Cruise? Like, I recognize the music, like Mission Impossible, I get it, but who are all those old guys? I, I need to see Tom Cruise and all the Mission Impossible cast. Well, the truth is that before it was a movie, it was a TV show, and I won't ask for a show, uh, a show of hands, but maybe there are some here this morning that did watch it when it was that TV show. But the reason we showed this video this morning, and the reason we actually showed it last week as well, is because it kind of ties in with the idea here that here at Connect, um, we're actually uh, spending in a couple of weeks looking at what Mission Impossible looks like, or actually, uh, to be more specific, we're looking at Mission Possible. We don't think it's Mission Impossible, we actually think it's Mission Possible, because we think that Jesus had a mission. We learned last week that um, Jesus had a very specific mission, and last week was a great week to learn about it, because you got to see that mission in action. If you were here last Sunday, you'll know that we had a baptism service, and it was just amazing. I love baptism services, because you get to hear people share their story of why they want to go public with their faith, why they want to be baptized. You get to hear why it is that they want to just let everyone know that Jesus, what a beautiful name, and his name, this is what it means to me. I want to, I want to follow him. I want to surrender my life to him. I want to get baptized to show just how much he means to me. And we heard some great stories last week, and we got to see these wonderful people get baptized. And the reason we loved it so much is because basically it, it, it showed Jesus' mission at work. It just showed us Jesus' mission. Because we learned last week that according to a man by the name of Luke, who was one of the four writers of the account of Jesus' life, uh, Luke told a story about an encounter that Jesus had with a man called Zacchaeus, and uh, he was somebody who was living far from God, and as a result of that encounter with Jesus, turned his life around. And then at the very end of that story, Jesus is quoted by Luke as saying this, in Luke 19, verses 9 through 10, he says, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. This man's life has been changed. For the Son of Man, this is Jesus talking about himself, Son of Man, I came to seek and save those who are lost. I came to seek and save those who are lost. That's my mission. Jesus said, that is my mission. And last week, talking about the idea of mission possible, we asked the question, will you make his mission, his mission, your mission? Will you make his mission your mission? Will you partner with Jesus to seek and save those that are lost? Will you share Jesus? If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, if you know him, will you be somebody who says, I want to invite my friends and family to know him too, my neighbors. I want to share the, the mission of Jesus. So last week, we kind of ended with that challenge, and hopefully as you left, it kind of got you thinking this week, you know, am I a part of Jesus' mission? Am I looking for ways to reach people who don't know Jesus, whether it be in my community or other communities, whether they be young or old? Am I looking for ways to reach people for him? But I want to ask a, a follow-on question this morning. So last week, we asked the question, will you make his mission your mission? But I want to get a bit practical with you here today, because the follow-on question I have for you this morning is this. How do we make his mission our mission? It's one thing to say, will you make his mission your mission? But let's be honest, I think we've got to ask this second question, how? 
How do we make his mission our mission? So to answer that question this morning, I'm actually going to take you to a really interesting um, portion of the Bible. It was in the New Testament in a book called Acts. Now, you may not have heard this story before, so you're going to get a little bit of a history lesson here, uh, a little bit of a story as to why what took place actually took place and how it ties in with us this morning. So for those of you who are new to church, maybe you're new to the the idea of of being a follower of Jesus, maybe you're new to the Bible and you're one of those people that, man, when I open it, I just don't know where to start. It's such a confusing book. I always recommend that people start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Those are four letters that were written in the New Testament, and they're brilliant because they're all different accounts of the life of Jesus. They're four different individuals telling their story. This is, this is the, the way I remember it happening. This is the way it was told to me, the life of Jesus. It's great because you get to read about his, his miracles and his teachings and everything that Jesus did. But the book immediately following those four is a book called Acts. And Acts is just a roller coaster of a letter. It's just exciting because basically the guy who wrote Acts, his name's Luke, and he wrote it in about 60 AD, so it was about 30 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. So it's fresh in everyone's mind. So what he's writing isn't a fable from hundreds of years ago. This is something that he's actually speaking to people who were there when it happened. He's like, hey, I want to I keep an account of this. So tell me again what happened in that room. Tell me again when Peter got up and spoke to that crowd. How did that go down? And, and maybe some of the things he wrote about, he actually saw with his own eyes. Because this happened in his lifetime. So Luke tells us this incredible situation, this story that took place. And, and we can read about it in Acts chapter 15. And it was called the Council of Jerusalem. You're going to get to hear this morning the story behind the Council of Jerusalem. So here's why this is a particularly interesting story. So what was happening, okay, in this particular council was the church had just begun. It was brand new. So you had people like Peter, who was one of the disciples. He was a key leader in the church. You had a guy by the name of James, who was Jesus' brother, his actual physical brother. He wrote one of the, the books in the New Testament, James. You've got guys like Paul and Barnabas who were converts to Christianity and were now preaching and seeing um, Jesus' name spread across that whole area. All these people are these, these key church leaders and they decide to meet to have a discussion. And the reason they decide to meet to have a discussion is because something was going on at this time. You see, Jesus himself was a Jew, Okay, so Jesus himself was a Jew, and up till this point in history, God had really been um, uh, connected with the people of Jerusalem, the Jews. They were his chosen people. So everything you read in the Old Testament is this story between God and the, the Jewish people. And then Jesus comes along, who's a Jew himself. But it's not long after the death and resurrection of Jesus that the message of Jesus starts to spread outside of the Jewish people. And they're called Gentiles. That's basically people who aren't Jews. Start to follow Jesus. They start to make this decision to follow Jesus. So Romans and and Corinthians and people who didn't grow up in the Jewish faith are saying, "I, I love the story of this Jesus. I want to follow him. I want him in my life. And they were seeing conversions of these non Jews to following Jesus. So because the church was so brand new and because things hadn't really been figured out, what happened was there was this group of Jewish leaders that said, well, listen, Jesus was a Jew. This is the the God of the Jewish faith. If they're going to convert to follow Jesus, then they also need to convert to Judaism. They can't just be followers of Jesus. They've got to be Jews as well. And, And what that means is they've got to take 
everything that comes with being a, a, a Jew in that culture. So in that culture, if you grew up in a Jewish family, you followed the law of Moses and all the, the hundreds and hundreds of laws that you had to follow as well as the, the Ten Commandments. Jews who grew up in that culture, they would have memorized hundreds of different verses from the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. They would have memorized chunks of Scripture. So they were saying, it's great that they're becoming followers of Jesus, but they need to also convert to Judaism. In fact, as I was studying for this message this week, I came across in a commentary, and the the author said this. He said that what they were saying, basically, is that a Gentile must first become a Jew before he can even become a Christian. It is not sufficient for them to simply trust Jesus. They must also obey Moses. So this was a pretty big deal. It was like a fork in the road, like a crossroads. Where is Christianity going to go? Are we going to make them do this or, or not? So because it was such an important decision, because it was such a big deal, all these church leaders came together in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15. All the the key players in the church of the time, they all come back, they travel from all over to be in this one place together. Acts 15 verse 1 talks about Paul and Barnabas who were missionaries at this time far away. It says that Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria. And then they heard that there were some men from Judea who'd arrived and began to teach the believers that unless you're circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. So he's saying, unless you're willing to to become a complete um, follower of the Jewish tradition here, then you're not really saved. And what this did was this drove this, this decision to say, listen, we've got to figure this out. We've got to get together and figure this out. So Paul and Barnabas, they travel back from their their missionary journey to Jerusalem. There in that place was Peter and James and some of the other disciples and apostles. And they're all gathered there together and, and they discuss and they debate. And they're all, these are men who have spent time with Jesus, who walked with Jesus, who saw him perform miracles, who were discipled by Jesus. Paul was a a convert to Christianity through an encounter with the risen Jesus. So they brought a lot to the table. So they're kind of debating this and arguing this. And and Peter, and if you remember Peter, he was one of the disciples who just had a a great adventure. He, He was the guy who walked on water, some amazing miracles. He was the guy who denied even knew Jesus, who at the very end got scared and and just denied everything. He was the guy who Jesus came back to and and reconciled. And then he was the guy we read in Acts who was one of the very first people to preach on behalf of Jesus in Jerusalem. And it says that thousands of people that day became Christians. Thousands of people followed Jesus when Peter preached. So this is a guy who has some authority on this discussion. Listen to what Peter says in Acts chapter 15, verses 7 through 11. He's talking to all these other leaders. He says, brothers... You all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. Now, Peter's talking about something that happened earlier in Acts here where where God, through a dream, spoke to Peter and released him to speak to people that weren't Jews. Up till then, they thought they were just talking to the Jews about Jesus, but they realized that God had a plan for the Gentiles too. So Peter's like, hey, you, you remember the story. You know how this all went down, how I started this journey of, of reaching people that weren't Jewish. And then he goes on to say, God knows people's hearts and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did us. 
So there was an experience, there was a, um, an interaction when people found Jesus, they, they had the Holy Spirit come into their lives and it was happening not just to the Jewish people, but to the Gentiles as well. It was almost like God was saying, yes, I am for this. He made no distinction between us and them for he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why? Why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? He says, why? Why would you make them now do something that we've never really been able to do? We've struggled with this whole law of Moses thing. There were so many rules and so many regulations that we're always messing up. Why would we struggle then with what he calls a yoke, this, this, this difficult life? He says, we believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. That's what Jesus brought to the table, the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. He knew that you and I would never be good enough. We would never be able to do enough good things in our life, enough right things. We'd never be able to not do enough wrong things. As hard as we try, you may start tomorrow and say, I'm going to really turn over a new leaf this week, and I'm going to really behave myself, and I'm not going to do this. And then Monday morning, you're driving to work, and that person cuts you off, and you're like, oh, blown it. <laughs> So much for that resolution. <laughs> we just can't. We're in our own strength. So Jesus knew that. So he came and he died in our place. That's what grace looks like. He said, why would we try and tie them to these, these laws and these expectations that they'll never live up to when Jesus himself showed this grace and mercy? And then having heard all the arguments, James. James was actually Jesus' brother. So he wrote a book in the New Testament called James, but he, was, he literally grew up with Jesus. He's now one of the church leaders, so he knew Jesus pretty well. If you've got a brother here this morning, you'll know, you know, I mean, there's no one really knows you like your brother knows you. James steps in, and he kind of just finally just brings some judgment to the whole situation and says, guys, this is what we're going to do. We've, we've all talked, we've all shared some ideas, but, but here's, here's my decision. Here's how we're going to move forward. Acts 15, verse 19. And so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. We should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. This is a great, great verse. I love the words of James here. He says, listen, we should not make it difficult. We shouldn't make it any harder than it needs to be for people who genuinely want to find Jesus. Why would we try and make that path difficult when they are really seeking after this Jesus? We shouldn't make it difficult. I love this verse for a couple of reasons. Number one, because it has an impact on us today. Imagine if James hadn't stepped up and it had gone the other way. And the rule was made that anyone who wants to be a follower of Jesus must also convert to Judaism. How would that work here this morning at Connect Church? You want to get baptized? Awesome. Yes, you can get baptized. Now, there is a video, okay? I know you don't like the video. Some of you kind of get scared by the video, but we are going to have to do a video. But, but that's easy. That's just the first part, because then there's those 600 verses you're going to need to memorize. Okay, so I'm going to need you to memorize those 600 verses, and um, you wear mixed fabrics. Yeah, that's, that's part of the Old Testament law. You can't do that anymore. It's all wool, okay, from now on, no mixed fabrics. And uh, wait, you're not circumcised? Ooh, <laughs> i got some bad news for you, buddy. <laughs> I mean, it really could have gone a different way, couldn't it? 
But in that moment, James, what James decided has an impact on us here this morning. But here's the other reason I love that verse, because it's kind of a philosophy here of us at Connect Church. This verse has almost become part of our mission. And here's what I mean by that. It says, we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. We should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Here at Connect, we really actually work hard on creating an environment and a presence in the community and an atmosphere where we're not making it difficult for those that want to discover Jesus. We actually want to create an environment where it's not difficult for those who want to discover Jesus. Now, let me explain that because some of you already are like, wait, so you're telling me that you're just going to throw the rules out? You're just watering it all down? That's a genuine fear. Do you know, when we started Connect a few years ago, Casey and I, we had coffee with a family, and um, it was a couple, and they were talking to us, and they were like, hey, we want to hear about Connect Church, because we're thinking we might come and join Connect, and we're like, that's awesome, how come? Well, we're going to this church right now, and we don't really like it, the pastor upset us, we're just kind of mad at him, and I'm like, awesome, (laughs) come to Connect, it won't be long before you're mad at me too, (laughs) so that'll be great. Um, But in the course of this conversation, the, the guy says to me, now, I've got to ask a question, because you haven't started yet, but I need to know, you're not going to be one of those seeker churches, are you? I'm like, well, there's a verse here that says that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. So yeah, we might be. We kind of think that's what Jesus wants us to be. But, but he had this idea, this connotation that, that he used this phrase, seeker church, and maybe some of you heard it, is those kind of churches that they really water down the message because they want to reach as many people as possible. So in order to reach people, they, they, they kind of take some of the things out that are difficult, you know, and they make it really easy. And maybe when I said, you know, we want to make it as easy as possible for people to discover Jesus, that's what you heard. You heard, are you going to walk? That's not the truth at all. In fact, I actually think one of the most difficult decisions you will ever make is when you're confronted with Jesus. And we want to get you to that spot. We want to get you to that spot where you are face to face with this man, Jesus. And you have to make a decision in that moment. You have to make a very difficult decision. Who do I think he is? Who do I think Jesus was? Was he just a great man, a good man who lived thousands of years ago, who had some great moral teaching and just was a a good teacher and a prophet, who's had an impact on, on Western civilization for thousands of years? Do I just believe he was a good man or do I believe that he was who he said he was? Because he said he was the son of God. He said that if we will have a relationship with him, we can have a relationship with God. And in that moment, that's a very difficult decision. Some of us have faced that and have made that decision. We've made the decision to say, Jesus, I believe you are who you said you are. And I want to follow you. And I want to be baptized. Because I believe that you are who you said you are. So there will come a point where you will have to make a difficult decision. There will come a point where you'll have to decide who you think Jesus is and what role he's going to play in your life. Is he somebody that you will just believe in and kind of keep up on the shelf? Or is he somebody that you will embrace his teachings and live your life following his ways? That's a difficult decision to make. In fact, if you've not made that decision this morning, there are literally hundreds of people in this room that are praying that you will. People in this room that have made that decision, who've asked Jesus into their lives and are now really desperate, if you're here visiting, that you would experience that same Jesus and the difference he can make in your life. 
But our mission at Connect, our mission possible, is to make it as easy as possible for you to arrive at that point. We know it's going to be hard when you face Jesus to make that decision, but we want to eliminate all the obstacles on the way to that. We don't want to make it difficult for the Gentiles wishing to turn to God. So, so we pay a lot of time focusing on who we are on the outside and who we are on the inside. Those are our two things that I want to talk about real quickly here this morning. Who we are on the outside and who we are on the inside. You see, for Connect Church this morning, who we are on the outside is pretty important. Who we are in this community, who the community of Washington, the surrounding areas, who they think of when they think of Connect Church, that's important to us. Because let's be honest, I bet if I asked some of you this morning, if you've got friends who don't go to church, don't believe in Jesus, if you ask them, they, they probably have no problem with you being a follower of Jesus. They may even respect you for that. They may think, that's fine. And in fact, if you got into a conversation with that person about Jesus, they probably would be like, I like Jesus. I think he's awesome. I love what he stood for. I love his teachings. I love all that. But then if you ask them to come to church, it's like you just ask them to have a wisdom tooth taken out. They're like, oh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I want to go to church. Because maybe something happened. Maybe they had a bad experience at a church. Maybe they had a bad experience growing up. Maybe something happened. And, and it's true, isn't it? But for many of us, our friends who, who don't attend church on a regular basis, when we talk to them, it, it's difficult for them because they have an, an, an idea of what they think church is. And sadly, sometimes that's a negative idea. For whatever reason, that's a, a negative idea. So here at Connect, in this community, we want to change that. We know that there are people outside of our church outside of Connect Church, and before you start sitting there going, oh yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying, Dave, some of those churches are bad. Let's not forget, we are the church, okay? The church isn't just a building, it's us. So, so some of those experiences are, are, are maybe us, so we, we've got a responsibility there to represent Jesus, to represent the church. But here in our community, we want people to, when they think of a church, when they think of Connect Church, to think, that sounds like a good church. I like what that church is doing, so we work very hard at not just existing for the people inside this building, but also to exist for the people outside. Last month, we did a big event where we uh, collected food for an organization called Snack Pack. And uh, Snack Pack helps uh, under-resourced families in the Washington area, kids who come to school who maybe don't have much food at home. So that many of them are on the free lunch program or the reduced lunch program. And some of them, the best meal they get all day is the food they eat at school. So some people from some different churches got together and started this snack pack program where they're collecting food and over weekends they're sending home a little bag of goodies, a little bag of, of some food and some nutritional things so that these kids don't have to wait till Monday before they get their next healthy, wholesome meal. So all month long we connected food. There's a great picture here of some of our kids at the end of the month just holding some of the, the food that we collected. We filled two big, um, I want to call them trailers, but they're these things you wheel. What are they called? Wagons, yes, they were wagons. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was actually going to say trolleys, because in England, when we go to the supermarket, we push trolleys. But that's, no, the case is like, yes, yeah, definitely not the right word. Filled two of these wagons with food, and that was thanks to you guys. There might be some families right now who are aware of the fact that that's something that Connect Church does. Next month, you're going to hear about something we're going to do where we're going to collect books. There's a teacher um, at Hensley School in Sunnyland, and she wants to do a book drive because a lot of the families that she teaches, K through th third grade, they don't have books at home. 
So she's come to us and she said, would you ask your church if they would donate some new or gently used books? Because I want to have a book fair where the parents and kids can come and they can get free books to take home. She said, over the summer, I see this decline because kids are reading through the school year, but at summer, they've got nothing at home to read. And it's almost like we have to start over again in the fall. She goes, I want kids to go home in the summer with books that they can read. I said, absolutely, we'd love to do that. That is exactly the kind of thing that Connect likes to do. I want the word to be spread in the community, the difference that Connect is making. That's why who we are on the outside is, is important. It's a huge step for someone who hasn't grown up in church or somebody who maybe has a negative experience of church to take that first step to attend a church service. I met a lady once. It was her first time at Connect, and we got chatting, and I asked what brought her here, and she said a friend, and... And through the course of our conversation, she says, you know, funny story. She said, I was in the parking lot this morning for about 15 minutes. I said, why? She goes, I just was terrified. <laughs> she said, I sat in my car because I just, I didn't know what to expect. And I had such a hard time just getting out of my car, walking in. Maybe some of you grew up going to church. Maybe some of you have come here from another church. And you don't realize that for some people, it's a big step coming to church for the very first time. So connect wants to make it as easy as possible for that to happen. We want people in our community to already think, I like the sound of, of what Connect Church is doing. That's part of our mission, to, to make it as easy as possible. So who we are on the outside is very important, but who we are on the inside is also very important. Because at some point, our friends and our neighbors and our relatives and people in this community and the surrounding communities, they're going to step into Connect Church for the very first time. And they may have a lot of preconceived ideas of what to expect and what it's going to be like. And then they come in and it's like drums and lights. And for a lot of people, this is like not at all what I was picturing. We're at a school. So we work very hard at making sure that as people arrive, that we eliminate anything that might make it difficult to discover Jesus. And that's what happens here on a Sunday morning. Who we are on the inside is very important. You know, I can remember when um, Casey and I, we, we, we'd started Connect, and uh, we, we, we were in the, what we called the pre-launch phase. So we were working with a team of families, and we were talking about our launch in the fall of 2013. Um, but we would meet on Sunday nights and talk through this, but we weren't actually meeting as a church on Sunday mornings. We had some preview services on Sundays through the summer, but every Sunday morning, Connect hadn't actually launched yet. So what it meant for us is that we were able to attend some other churches in the area. And it was great because we got to just kind of sit and, and be in a church and receive and not have to think about, what am I going to preach about? What am I going to, you know, who's going to load the trailer? You know, it's just nice to go in and just sit in a church and enjoy the service. And you know, I can remember one time, we arrived, and uh, this particular church we'd never been to before, uh, and the signage wasn't real clear. I knew where this church was, but I'd never been there, so as I pulled up, the, the signage wasn't real clear, so I pulled into what I thought was the entrance into their parking lot. Well, I didn't know. It was my first time there. They actually had kind of a one-way system in this church's parking lot, and I'd pulled into the exit. So I'm kind of driving down, you know, looking for a parking space. I see another car coming towards me, and, and it was obvious as we were coming that this guy wasn't pulling over. I was like, this is awesome. I just got kind of right over, and as, I, as he drove by, he kind of stared at me like, what are you? 
So I'm like, okay, that was kind of weird, but uh, didn't think anything of it. Still didn't know what I'd done. So I, I pull in, I see a space, and as I pull into the space, I see this parking attendant. They had somebody there in the, in the parking lot whose job it was to greet people and meet people. I thought, that's great, good idea, church. You know, have someone in the parking lot. And, and he's waving. He's obviously really pleased that I'm here. You know, this is great, first impressions. And, and I got out of the car, and he goes, you came the wrong way. I said, I'm sorry. He goes, you came in the wrong way. I was like, oh, sorry, I'm not being, just don't do that again. I was like, okay, well, I hadn't been here, because that's the wrong one. I was like, okay, I got it. And this kind of carried on, you know, him kind of shouting and waving, and suddenly I realized I was in trouble. And fortunately, I'm a pastor, so I continued into church and uh, enjoyed the service. But I remember thinking, man, if that was my very first time with this church, I think I'd have got back into my car and driven away. Because I was already, I would already have been very nervous. I wouldn't have known what to expect. And, and, and already I've got these kind of, um, these, these obstacles that I feel like are going to be the way that I've put there myself. What if I'm not dressed right? What if I go in and I'm holding the Bible and no one else is? Or what if I'm not holding the Bible and everyone else is? And how big's the Bible I should be holding? What if I'm holding a small one and this is a church where they carry big Bibles? <laughs> Or I come in with one the size of an encyclopedia and everyone's using theirs on their phone. There's a Bible on your phone? Why am I carrying this? Before people arrive, there's all sorts of, of obstacles that they themselves have put in the way. We want to eliminate all of them. We want to make it as easy as possible. So when someone in that parking lot was shouting, I was thinking, man, that's just building on an obstacle that may already have been there. So we are incredibly fortunate here at Connect because we have some amazing people who serve here at Connect Church, serve on a regular basis in the, the hospitality area, in the parking lot. I hope that if you came this morning, that if somebody waved at you, it was a happy wave. They let you park wherever you want. You want to park on the grass? Park on the grass. I hope that when they greeted you with a cup of coffee, and I, don't know, I hope the whole experience was great because the truth is, we want to create that environment. That's our mission here at Connect Church. That's how we make the mission possible, by creating that environment so we remove any obstacle that might be in the way, a preconceived idea of church from the outside, a preconceived of what the experience will be like on the inside, because we want to get you to the point as easily as possible where we can talk about Jesus. And then it does get a bit difficult, because then you have to decide, wow, when she was singing that song earlier about the name of Jesus, something in me just kind of connected with that. I don't know what it was, but there was something in me that felt like, I think this was more than just a man that once walked the earth. And my friend who invited me, I can see that his, Jesus in their life has changed the way they live their lives. They're different. They still have struggles. They still argue. They still fight. But, but I can see a difference in their life. Because of this relationship that they have with Jesus, we want you to have that same relationship. So we work very hard at eliminating all the obstacles that will bring you to the point of making that decision. So how can you help us make the mission possible? How can you help Connect Church make Connect Church's mission possible? There are two ways. Two ways. One is that who we are on the outside depends a lot on you. Because you are the church. Who we are on the outside is, is, is who Connect is in this community. So it's not just what we do with Snack Pack and, and book drives, things like that. It's, it's the relationships that people have with you. So remember that. You know, remember, man, I'm representing Connect Church here in my neighborhood, in my community, in my, in my sports team, wherever it might be. 
Here's the second area where we need your help, who we are on the inside. So I, I already talked about those amazing people who come in early to set up and stay late to tear down. But the truth is, we need more people. And you might say, Dave, you've, you've shared this before. Well, you know why? It's because we still need more people. We still need more help in some of these areas. And maybe some of you have been on the fence in the past. You're like, I probably should see what it takes to be a part of the setup team. Maybe I should sign up to be on the teardown team. I've, I've kind of thought about it before. But maybe in the past, what's talked you out of it is, is like you've kind of thought of it as a volunteer, a duty. You know, it's like, I guess I've been going to connect long enough. I should pay my, t- my dues and help in an area or do something. But what if the reason we asked you to help was because we need your help to make the mission possible? The great men and women who come in early to set up this room and create the atmosphere and get the foyer ready are doing it because they want to eliminate anything that might make it difficult for someone to discover Jesus. The ladies and the men and the kids who are working with the kids in Connect Kids and the preschool right now, they're doing that because they're trying really hard to eliminate any obstacles that may lead you. You know, there's nothing worse than going to a church and it's your first time there and you're like dropping your kids off and there's there's no adults. All the doors are open. You're like... Okay, I'm not feeling very safe here. So, so there are some wonderful volunteers who are working very hard to make sure that you can sit here knowing that your kids are safe this morning. They're having a great time in Connect Kids. And we can do that because we have some great volunteers. So here's where I need your help. There's a card on your seat. We share this message a lot here at Connect, and maybe you've heard it before and you've kind of pushed it aside. Maybe this is the first time you've heard it, but, but we need your help. We need your help to make our mission possible. And now you know what our mission is. Now you know why we do what we do. It's not just to seek and save the lost. That's Jesus' mission. That's our mission. But this is, this is how we get to that. This is how we get to that place, how we get to seeking and saving the lost. So this morning, before we close out, we're going to sing the song that we started out with earlier. And I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to sing it together in just a second. But here's why. It can be very easy sometimes when, when you hear a challenge like that, you know, will you step up? Will you get involved? Is there somewhere here at Connect that you could help out? To have this kind of feeling of like, yeah, I guess there is, but then before we know it, we're out of the foyer, we're out in the parking lot, and we're on our way home, and, and any good intentions, any good ideas, they're gone. So I don't want to rush through this this morning. I want to take a moment, we're going to sing this song. And maybe as we sing this song, you'll just kind of be saying, God, is there something you want me to do? Is there something I can do to help make the mission possible? If they're short of people setting up on a Sunday morning, maybe I could make that commitment to a couple of times a month. If they need help in the preschool, maybe a couple of times a month I could do that. I could attend one service and help in the other service. Maybe you're here this morning, you're a leader, and you want to say, Dave, I want to come in and actually help you lead one of these areas. There are some areas where, where we've had people who've been leading for years and years great to be able to say, hey, this person wants to come in and give you a break. They want to step in and oversee this area on your behalf. So you can fill out the card and drop it in at the connect point. You can do it through the app if you want. There's a volunteer tab. But I want you to think and pray about that before you do it. And we're going to sing that song that we started out this morning. I am nothing. And just remind us why we do what we do. So let's sing this song together and then I'll come back up and we'll close.